Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Well, look at your neighbor and say, Good morning. Just look at your neighbor and say, You look really, 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 really good this morning. And if they're smiling and you can see it, tell them, what a smile. What a smile. You know, I'll be honest with you. Some of you in this room have really great smiles. You really do. Some of you have some really great smiles. Matter of fact, when you smile, when you smile, and I really do mean some of this, some of you have some really good smiles, that you're worth a million bucks when you smile. So if you want to feel like you're worth a million bucks, just smile. Go ahead. Just, just smile. Come on. Then I feel good. Come on, look at it. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I love the smiles when they go like this. <laughs> hey, listen, we're going to continue what we started last week and the series that we started. If 2021 is done, what will you do in 2022? The calendar is clicking ar- along real quick. And before you know it, we're going to be out of January. I want to talk to you about living with the right focus. Living with the right focus. Now, I want you to get this. This is important. No matter what age you're at, these three messages are really important that can change your life. They're really important. And the reason why they're important is because a lot of times people don't try to change their lives. They just get up, maybe go to work, come home, rest a little bit, go to bed, wake up, go to work. I mean, they get into a pattern, all of us. How many understand that? The, but, the, but the thing is, we forget the God equation in that. That God doesn't want us to get into a rote routine and just go through the motions. And he wants us to really see what he wants to do in us. He has more to do, people to bring into your life. There's a small group series coming up real, real soon. I'm still working on the date. I'm still working on the materials. But this is going to be life-changing because this is where it's going to teach you to allow God to do miraculous works in your life. And you're going to say, that's crazy, Pastor. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's right from the Scripture. And it's just ways of being sensitive to the Spirit of God of what the Spirit of God is doing. You just have to have a heart to listen. And most of us don't like listening because God may have us do something we don't want to do. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. (laughs) Last week, we talked about getting past your past because our past holds us. We take our past into everywhere we go and we can take negative past or even a positive past. It doesn't make a difference. You take it everywhere you go. But if you have a past and it's negative and you go around and it's not resolved, then you carry that past. The best way I can look at it is I've done this in illustration for youth. And what I've done was I took a backpack and I put a backpack on their, on their shoulders and I started filling up with rocks. And all those rocks were things that they carried around. Nobody knew they carried it around, you know. Uncle Tom did something and offended this person and, and so they have unforgiveness. There's a rock in their, in their backpack, you know what I mean? Someone says something unkind and rock in the backpack. Something happened that was unfair at work, a rock in the backpack. And before you know it, all of these events that happen in life, everywhere you go, you carry with them. And through your past. And in that backpack is all these rocks that are weighing you down. And you know it. You feel it. But sometimes we don't want to deal with it. It's like the elephant in the room. If we had an elephant in the room right now, right there, right where Donnie is, (laughs) and it's pink... And purple polka dotted. And it's a big elephant right next to Monty. His trunk's about to hit him. About to hit him. Right there. He's right in the middle of the room. But we don't want to talk about the elephant in the room because, I don't know, we don't know what to say. We don't want to talk about it. So we pretend the elephant's not there. La, 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 la. Don't see the elephant. And we live life that way. And the problem is when we live life that way, we end up hurting our own life. And so last week, if you didn't get a chance to hear the message or see the message, just go to the Facebook or go to YouTube, Salem, uh, for, uh, Salem First Assembly, and, and listen to it, because that's the first brick. 
You've got to get past your past. You've got to deal with the past. And then you have to understand there's a promise. So you have the past. You, you get to God. You deal with the past. Understand the promise that God has. That's what we're talking about the Apostle Paul. He had a past. We talked about it last week. He had a past, and his past was good. He had great credentials. He was good. But look what he said last week. You see, before we get to the scripture, you have to understand Philippi. The church of Philippi at that time was facing individuals that were teaching people astray. They were saying the flesh, you had to be circumcised. And then these individuals with great credentials were coming in saying they're all this on a bag of chips. Proclaiming the fulfillment of salvation was through the law, not through faith. And many people were led astray. And Paul the Apostle simply says, you know what? These people think they're all that in a bag of chips. And, and they're teaching the aspect of circumcision, the ritual of the Old Testament. And, Christ, and Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament. And Paul the Apostle is teaching it. And he says this about these individuals teaching this wrong theology. It says this in verse 2, chapter 3, Philippians. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutators of the flesh. For it is we who are circumcision, we who worship the Spirit of God, who the glory of Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. So he's going to try to top everybody. Because the flesh, all that he accomplished in his past, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee of zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, man, I was faultless. That's how Paul describes his past. And as you see last week, he talked about the past, and then we talked about the promise. Now, let me just remind you of this, because I think this is important. Last week, I asked you to examine four areas of your life, and I want you to keep this in mind. You can write this down. You can write that down on the outline or on your bulletin. If you want to ask these questions spiritually, have, where have I grown spiritually last year? Where area did I grow? Do I feel closer to God? In particular, how much scripture do I know better? What have I grown? How have I grown? Be honest with yourself. Have you grown spiritually stronger or spiritually weaker? Have you, do you really know God more since you had another year? Do you feel better spiritually? Ask that question. You may not like. There could be some situations and some areas where you say, you know what? I may be strong over here, but I am getting weak over here. Maybe my faith is not where it used to be. My, my belief factor maybe is not as strong. You know, my time of prayer, my time of praise, my time of just spending time in his presence is not where it's supposed to be. And you know, that's okay. That's called honest reflection. A lot of times people don't want to have the answer to these questions, but these questions are important to grow as a person. You can pretend the elephant's not in the room, but the reality is you're going to see their effects in your life, 100%. You'll see their effects in your life, you'll see their effects in your relationships, you'll see the effects in everything because we, we will not talk about the things and we will not get the heart of God in the midst of the situation. It's really important. So spiritually, how have I connected to Christ? Where have I done it? Pros and cons. Physically, have I gotten better, stronger, and body-wise? Have I eaten better? Have I got on a routine, a program, an exercise program? Have I treated myself better? Am I taking care of the temple that God has given unto you? Physically, are you in better shape this year? Physically, are you, are you doing better things for your body? You know, i got to stop eating Christmas tree cakes. You know, let me just have a bone for a second. When we had the Christmas party, Christmas Eve party, I bought all you guys plenty of Christmas tree cakes because they're delicious. Do you know, Holly, anybody ate those Christmas tree cakes? And now you ate, thank you, thank you, thank you. How many of you No. So anyhow, I have a whole bunch of boxes tempting me every single day. Eat me, pastor. And I have to say no. Once in a while... 
I have to be honest, I break. <laughs> Not too often. So my thing is I have a sale going on <laughs> for Christmas tree cakes. Physically, have I been, have my physically getting stronger? Have I doing something better for my body? Am I being more wise what I'm taking in? Financially, am I taking the money that God has given unto me and using it wisely? Am I investing in it? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I, am I, do I got control over my budget? Do I spend more than I make? Do I want to do more than I have money for? You see, you have to ask these questions. Everybody wants to get somewhere, but no one ever thinks how they're going to get there. It's going to be easy. It's just going to happen. I'm just going to believe God. Let me tell you something. That don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You can believe God for all kinds of things. But God has given us responsibility. You want to see God bless, do what you're supposed to do. Because in your financial, it's also your giving. Your giving. Hello. You will never see your finances really blessed until you really know how to give. I can tell you, I'm attest to that. Let me understand something is that the way you give, it will be the way, you, the level you really live. So your finances are not what you can get, but what you can give. And that's really important. So how have you increased? How have you increased in your giving? Or are you giving just because you're giving? Are you really putting your heart in your giving? Sometimes we don't even pray over our giving. Some people just give. Can I tell you, just don't give. Give with a prayer. Give with a focus and say, God, will you use this? I give this as a gift. Don't just get in there like, yeah, yeah, I just do my, do my thing. Put your heart to your thing. Because it's, it's a big thing to do that right. Amen? Amen? So really, in your financial, and then emotionally. This is a big one I talked a lot about emotionally. Have you, got, have you got stronger emotionally? This is control over your thoughts. Control over how your emotions lead you. Your emotions are so strong, so strong that they can overpower intellect. It can overpower reason. It can overpower common sense. Emotion. Has my emotional stability in God become stronger last year? Or has my emotional stability is struggling in this particular area, this particular area? Be honest. You see, let's, let's, let's think about this today because I want you to imagine a binoculars. How many ever looked through binoculars before? Okay. How many have ever gone on a hunting trip and you looked in your binoculars? Huh? All right, so you have a binoculars, but I'm going to put you in a, uh, a situation where you have never used binoculars before. You have never aligned binoculars to your eyes. There's three types of adjustments on binoculars. There are the settings at the lens itself, and then the main one is in the middle. So I give you binoculars, you never had one in your hands, and you put it up and you say, it's blurry. I can't see nothing. So then we refocus. Someone say refocus. Refocus is to one eye can be stronger than the other. And so depending on the binoculars, have good binoculars, have a couple of adjustments, better adjustments. And so we adjust these binoculars, and then you take the middle one, and all of a sudden, voila you can see clearly. And then you sing, break out in song. I can see clearly now, my binoculars are clear. No, maybe not that song. But you can see. How about a camera? Okay, you're taking a picture, and you've never used a camera, and they give it to you, and it's on manual, and you take it, and it's blurry. You don't know much about cameras, it's just blurry. And all of a sudden you say, I, it's blurry. And you say, well, what you're going to do is you're going to turn this lens and you've got to focus. You've got to focus. And so all of a sudden you focus and guess what? You can see. And once again, this person breaks out in song. I can see clearly now the camera is right. Here's the thing. Is in life, Paul the Apostle is trying to teach us a lesson of what he's been through. He had a past. He had to deal with his past. Now he had to get the right focus. Because the apostle had a different focus. Remember the time he had the focus? He was going to well, put people in prison. He was, he was a terrorist of the New Testament church. And he was out to put people in prison. Now, if there was a person that was pe putting people in prison for your faith, what would you think of that person? You'd probably stay away from him, wouldn't you? And yet, and yet God encountered him because God saw his heart. 
that he was in ignorance of the, 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 his focus. So God cleared up his focus. Now, why? What happened to Paul? We know in Acts chapter 9, he has this encounter with God. And when he has a counter of God, something took place in Paul. And this is what happened with Paul. Paul gained new information. And with his new information, he got a new belief. And with a new information, new belief, he now had a different behavior. Did you get this? Something took place in Paul. Paul's ready to put people in prison. He's talking about his past, that he has a past, and boy, he, ha- he did his law, and he was faultless in, in righteousness of the law. In his zeal for God, he persecuted the church. He was all in for God, but he was doing it wrong. And sometimes we can have good intentions and do it wrong. Paul had good intentions, but was doing things really, really wrong. So God met him on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, has this incredible moment. And when that happens, he gains information. What information did he gain? He gained when God said, Paul, Paul, why are you fighting against me? Paul says, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who you are fighting against. And after that conversation, Paul becomes blind, doesn't eat for three days or three nights. Don't eat water or, or eat uh, uh, drink water or eat for three days. Now watch this. In this experience that he had, he gained new information. From the new information, he had a different belief. And from that different belief, you now see a different Paul. A different Paul. He was Saul, turned into Paul. The two names, one Hebrew, one Greek. Nevertheless, here's a different transformational person because of an encounter with God, but new information brought a a different belief system. Look at your neighbor and say, different new information. Causes, causes new information, causes a different belief, and a different belief causes different behavior. The problem is, what Paul then understood is he refocused his life. He stopped He had an experience with God. So how do we have an experience with God? You spend time with God. You want want to hear from God? You really want God's voice? You want to know God's way? Stop. Spend time in his presence. I tell you what, we just want God to do all kinds of things, but we spend no time listening to what he has to say. How many times have I said, after you pray, after you pray, stop. Stop talking and just listen. Listen to what God has to say. I am most guilty of talking to God and pouring everything out to God and then getting up and saying, praise God, that was a beautiful time and not giving any time for God to speak to my heart. And many times when I find myself do that, I have to turn around and come back to the altar, sit down, kneel down, whatever, and just say, okay, I'm so sorry, I did it again. Because sometimes we're all on our track. We just want to tell God everything on our hearts. We want to tell God everything, but we don't listen, let God listen. Paul listened to what God had to say and he gained new information. And when he had new information, it changed belief, changed behavior. Not too long ago, I uh, was looking at the definition of refocus. If you look up refocus, it comes out, the definition means focus again. When you want to refocus, when you want to ask yourself, okay, how am I going to live with the right focus? Sometimes we have to stop and refocus. And then focus again. It's like the binoculars. It's like the camera. Sometimes it takes a little while for, your, for things to come into view. And so you keep working with it. Some time ago, I read this story, and I, I kind of loved it, and yet I didn't. It's a true story. There was this hound dog, and in England, they used dogs to hunt deer. And so here is this guy who was known to have one of the best hound dogs that could hunt down the deer and make the hunt quick and fast and enjoyable. And it wasn't long that this really famous known hound dog that everybody knew about, boasted about, but only the owner, only the owner knew really about this hound dog, that he had a little bit of problem. Yes, he was good at what he had to do, but at moments, he had moments that made him the worst hound dog. And it would just happen this day where all the people that heard all about this dog came together. They went on a hunt. Him and his friends and everybody said, this is going to be an easy hunt. Man, this is going to be great. And it wasn't long that this dog 
found a male buck, 12 to 14 point. It was a beautiful buck, and the hound dog was on it. And everybody else was chasing behind. Unfortunately, it wasn't long that a fox came by the pathway of the hound dog. And instead of staying on track, he then started tracing the fox and was going after the fox. Unfortunately, while he was tracing the fox and getting the scent from the fox, there was a rabbit that came across his path and he forgot about the fox, started chasing the rabbit. As he chasing the rabbit, a mouse came across his path. He started then to chase the mouse, the mouse, until he ended up at the barn, barking at a mouse, close to where they all started from begin with. That's exactly what happens to us in life. We get our focus on what God wants us to do. We get our focus of what we know we're supposed to do. And then a different scent. Something else comes, and before you know it, we lose track. We lose track. This is why reflection is so powerful in our life. To really stop, to really examine, and to really say, Okay, God, help me get back on track. Help me to really hear your heart. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to hear your ways. It's so important. As I get a little older, and notice I just said a little older. Thank you for those who just nod your head. That's right, Pastor. (laughs) Because the reality is you need to stop and reflect about life because life goes quick. And it's so important that we get to know God's heart because it's really important to get the right focus in life. And I don't want to be a hound dog that gets distracted by so many different scents. When God, each one of you, God has a calling on your life. And God wants the calling to be about eternity, about changing lives. And you need to be involved in some part of ministry, taking your giftings and taking your talents and really focus your life so you can honor God. Because if what life is it good if we don't really use our lives to honor God in everything we say in what we do? Let's look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. And let's look about this whole aspect of living with the right focus. It says here in verse 7, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteous that comes from God, and it is by faith. Let's look at verse 7 for a second. I love this part because Paul is really getting a right focus now. He's now sharing what he's learned. One of the greatest things I I tell people all the time is learn from other people. I remember a time I was younger, much younger, and I used to chase ambulances and chase fire engines. So whenever a fire engine came, I would chase it. Whenever an ambulance came flying by, I would chase it because I always wanted to go to a scene of whatever. What am I going to go to? It was like a little bit of excitement, and I would drive just as crazy. Because I would drive, everybody's moving out of the way, so I stay real close to the ambulance or stay real close to the fire engine. Everybody would move out of my way, too. And one day, one day I was, um, I chased one right to a, a really bad accident. It was a really bad accident where the poor girl was inside screaming and in tremendous pain. She was locked in there. They were using the jaws of life. And I just stood there for a second, just thinking about, wow, how things could change. And this was an accident that wasn't really fun to be at, at all. And, because um, this was a serious one. It wasn't just a house on fire, nobody hurt, and stuff like this, or shed on fire, or whatever. It was, it was a really serious accident. And God spoke to me that day that really I have never forgotten what he said. Because I was speeding like a maniac just to keep up with them all. Could all get in an accident myself just by me trying to keep up with everything. And this is what came to my mind. It's the foolish man, it's the foolish man that says it can, that will never happen to me. It's a foolish man, excuse me, it's a foolish man who never learns from someone else's mistake. 
It's a foolish man who never learns from someone else's mistake. But it's a wise man who learns from other people's mistake. So you can learn a lot. And so I say to myself, we can learn a lot from the Apostle Paul. He had to deal with a lot of things emotionally, physically, uh, socially. I mean, he, he had it tough. He had it really tough. But he never got his eyes off of Jesus. He never got his eyes off the prize. He kept it focused to Jesus Christ and to Jesus Christ alone. It's so important. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He understood Jesus was the greatest value. It wasn't what one does in the flesh. It was what Jesus has done in the spirit. Now, I want you to share a story with you. This is really important. How many ever remember the rich, man, rich young ruler that was in the scripture? If you find this in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 following, and here's Jesus is there, and this man comes running. Dun, 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 dun. And he's running, and when he gets to Jesus, he falls to Jesus' feet, kneels right down, falls to Jesus' feet, and this is what he says. He says, he says to the Lord, Lord, how must I and how can I inherit eternal life? I mean, this is his, this is a hard question this guy has. And Jesus says, Obey the commandments. And then he says, Oh, I have, you know, do not I do not murder, adultery, steal, false testimony. Jesus telling exactly what to do. Honor your father, mother. And he said, I have done all those since I have been young, from the very beginning of when I was young. And then it's amazing. Jesus sees his heart. And Jesus, in the scripture, says Jesus loved him. He loved him because Jesus saw a man who wanted to please God. He saw a man who was really, really wanting to please God. But it was a problem. Here's the problem. He had a love bigger than God. What was that? Jesus says, one thing you lack. Someone say one thing. Yeah, and I always get this. It always hurts. It always hurts because one thing can make all the difference in what happens in our life. Just one thing when our heart gets off Christ. He says, only one thing you lack. And then he tells them, go and sell all you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. He gets a personal invitation to follow Jesus. He would have been one of Jesus' disciples. And who knows, maybe today we would be reading of something he did. Because he was a disciple of you. Jesus says, okay, okay, one thing you lack. I, I see a problem here. I see an elephant in the room and we need to talk about it. Is you, you're loving money and you're loving your possessions more than you're loving me. Because you're not willing to give it up. You're not willing to give up your thing for me. You see? And sometimes we want to put something higher than God. And when they do that, that's idolatry. Whatever you call it. Whenever you put something, anything higher than God. Anything that, it's about God, it's about God. I had to sell everything. I sold everything I had. And I worked hard for what I had. Got rid of everything. And got, put everything in a small little truck. And followed what God told me to do. Didn't even want to go to school. To tell you the truth, I hated school. And then he told me to go to school. I didn't want to go to school. Man, God, you got the wrong one, baby. But unfortunately, God had a call on me more than I understood at the time. and still does. And he says, he, 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 you and I need to learn. He says, he says to the Lord, yeah, I, I'm there. And God says, no, no, you're not. You, you, love, you love your possessions. You love your wealth. Sell all that. Sell all that. And come follow me. And the word here is really amazing. You'll have treasure in heaven. But he was deeply dismayed by the words. And he, he went away grieving because he owned so much property. The young ruler won the assurance of eternity. But God says, you know, you're doing so well. We can do so well and you still miss it. Because our love for God's not 100%. We're not all in. God wants you to be all in. Look at your name and say, are you all in? He put a greater value on his riches than he did on his God. I want you to get that. Whenever we put anything higher than God, we have idolatry. You know, we live in, in you know, the United States, and we, we never think we have anything idolatry in this country. You go to India, and you'll see all these giant statues, all these gods that they worship. Some of them are, like, huge. Some of them are not look really good, pretty-looking either. 
And yet, we say, well, we don't have no idols here. Well, yeah, we do have idols in churches in, in, in America. But more than that, a bigger idol is the one that you don't think is an idol. And those are those things, anything that you put before God. That's an idol. And, I, and, and this young man, this young man had the wrong value system. Paul the Apostle says, no, I'm counting all this loss. Why? He gained new information. With the new information, that encounter he had with God, he then had a different perspective. Because he had a different thinking. A different belief that caused him to do different action. You want to change your life? Change your thinking. You want to change your life? Change your thinking. Your thinking is the very pathway which you create. Trust me, I live the same shoes you live. And if I don't change my thinking, if I don't change my thinking to what God has said and what God is doing, I'll tell you what, I could be led astray very easily. It's always about hearing the heart of God. Someone say amen. Amen. Paul is trying to get us to understand that whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Look what he says here. This is powerful. Verse 8. Because it comes with a question, do you carry a desire to know Jesus Christ? That is the one who's all surpassing greatness. So how much do you want to know God? Don't tell me what you want to do. Don't tell me where you want to be. Tell me how much, how much, how much desire this year are you going to seek God's heart, his word, his ways, his plans, his purposes. Because if you get on that, whatever it is, whatever it is, you get on that, you're going to be a happy person. You're going to be a happy person. Happiness is doing the will of God. Happiness is knowing you have a call. Every one of you in this place has a call to be God's ambassadors. Every one of you. It's important that you understand that. Look what it says. What is more, I consider, verse 8, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ. This is powerful for you and I. Think of this. Do you, do you have a desire to gain everything that Jesus wants you to gain? Do you have a desire to understand that all, all surpassing greatness of Christ? I'm going to share something with you that I was thinking about just the other day, and I decided to share this with you. My dad, when growing up, would say different sayings, he mainly said a lot of the same ones, but once in a while he would come up with something new. But there was a saying that when he died, the family got together and we were just talking and we wanted to put something as an epitaph on his tombstone. And one of the brothers brought this up and we all agreed that it was so true. Even though my dad was a religious man and didn't get to know Jesus Christ personally until the end of his days, he was always a religious man. And on his tombstone, and he said this often, is that, it's all it says, all it says is six words. Know him, love him, serve him. Know him, love him, serve him. That's exactly what happens when Paul the Apostle had that experience on the road to Damascus. His thinking changed. His thinking changed because he gained new information. If you want to fall in love with someone, if you want to fall in love with God, if you want your love capacity to increase, you have to know them. You cannot say, I love God, if you don't know God. You have to know. The more you know them, it sounds like a song, to know no, no, him is to love, love, love him, and I do. Ha 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 ha! Oh, love you. Amen. <laughs> you gotta throw me off with that comment. Here's the beautiful part. Here's the beautiful part: is that the way our love grows is when we know each other. To know, no is then to love, to know him, love him, serve him. You serve because you love. When you really, really love, you have no problem serving. When you love someone, it is not a problem to be inconvenienced. When you love someone, it is not a problem to go out of your way. And when you love someone, you're not thinking about self. 
people get all confused. They say, I love, but it's all about self. Self and love does not go together because real love is selfless. And this is the love that God has. God has a total love for you. And it's, it's selfless. It's God's, everything God did, he did for you and I. But sometimes we always make love. And it's always, when we make about the whole situation with love, it's, it's always about us. But Paul the Apostle understood. He gained the new information. He gained knowledge. When God said, Paul... Why are you fighting against me? Who are you, Lord? I don't know. Here's a man who served God, loved God. According to the law, he was faultless. But he missed it. He missed the relationship of who Christ was. Couldn't see it. Couldn't see it. It was wrong, wrong, wrong. Couldn't see it. Right in front of his eyes. Until God finally said, okay, he needs a little help. And sometimes you and I need a little help. Come on, say amen. Amen. I know I need a lot of help. Matter of fact, if there's a helpline, I'm pushing you out of the way so I can get there first because I need a lot of help. But the reality is Paul gained information. When he gained information, it changed his belief. And when it changed his belief, now you see a different Paul, a way different Paul where he says, you know what? I don't care about the past. I don't care about the past whatsoever. It's not where it's all about. And Paul's knowledge of him caused a love for him. And boy, you see that all through the writings. Why is that? He had a desire. He had a desire to know God, that all-surpassing greatness of God. And I don't know about you, sometimes life gets so busy, and there's so many demands, and everything's happening so much, and you got to be, got to do, got to be, got to do, and there's no time sometimes we feel the, just to shut everything down and, and just to get to know God, just to spend some time in His presence. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking of a, I was thinking about my grandchildren and some of the things, how grandchildren, they're, they're very simple and they just want to spend time with you. Sometimes they just want to sit on your lap. Maybe they want to play with your hair. Now, listen, this grandpa don't have a lot of hair to play with. But my little girl loved it. My little girl loved it, playing with my hair. She had a little bow in it. You would not see those pictures. I'll let her do whatever she wants. But I, but, I, but I just got a remembrance of just how she just wanted to sit and play with her hair and just, you know, and I'm like, God, was the last time we were like Mary, just sitting at your feet, just listening and just, just enjoying you, God? What, why can't we be like children in, in a mindset to say, you know what? Why do, we, why do we always have to be so adultish? Well, we feel like, well, I'm an adult again, you know, I don't do those things as a kid thing. That's foolish. Jesus calls you a children. Children, you're a child. You may think you're all old, but compared to Methuselah, you're a spring chicken. You see, Paul gained a new perspective to know Christ. It's truly understanding. And you have to understand, Paul's understanding changed him. Paul's knowledge changed him. Then it brought out a different value system. Now he is not even paying attention to his past. He has a whole different value system. That's the same thing that happened to you when you got saved. Same thing happened to me when I got saved. When I was living in the world, my goal was to retire at this age I'm at right now. I wanted to work no more. I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. And I had a game plan. Get to a certain level. Save and invest. Don't spend. Just save and invest. That's one of the greatest things that young people can learn today. Don't have to always keep up with the greatest phones and all this, all the things that depreciate. Learn to save when you're young. Because when you get older, you will be so, you'll be able to sit back and enjoy and be a blessing to those around you. But you can then spend all your money now. Because that 50 bucks you spend today, if you didn't spend it, would multiply in 25 years, compounding. That 50 bucks could now turn into 500 it's amazing what compounding does on a young people. You can just do it when you're young and don't spend, 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 spend. Learn to save and you understand the freedom you will get when you get older. But we live in a world today that everybody wants the latest stuff. And by the way, that little plug I just did was all free of charge. <laughs> it's just because I see it all the time. Listen to the heart of the Apostle Paul. Listen to this. In Philippians 1.20, he says this. For me to live is Christ, and for me to die is gain. 
He's here. He has one reason on earth, and that is to magnify Christ. What a change took place in a man who was so against Christ. Once he changed, once Christ changed his thinking, it changed everything. What did Paul learn? What did Paul learn? He learned the teachings of Jesus. Let me show you this. When Paul had this incredible moment, had a transformation on the road to Damascus, got new understanding because of what Jesus Christ said to him, Paul, you are fighting against me. Who are you, Lord? And notice he says, Lord. He had no, he had no problem knowing who he was talking to. But when he said, it's me, Jesus, the salvation, the one who's bringing deliverance is the one you are fighting against. Holy smoke. He must have said, I am in big trouble. And then all of a sudden, he couldn't see. He was convinced he had just encountered God Almighty. And it was changed. Look what he learned. He learned this. Jesus was teaching about heaven. The kingdom of heaven. And Jesus taught this in Matthew 13, verse 44. And there's a couple examples here. I gave you just two of them. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he had found one great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. That's exactly what Paul is talking about. There is a greater value. But for you to understand the greater value, you have to change your thinking. Stinking thinking never gets the heart of God. You have to have that experience with God. And you have to understand his voice, his ways, the plans that he has for you. Paul was changed because he changed the way he thought. He started to think eternal thoughts. His life was now to give glory and to give praise and to honor God. He was the one who sold everything, gave, gave up his past, and said, okay, God, here I am. I remember, I remember the days that I had sold all my little toys. There was only one toy that I really, really loved, and that was my customized van that took me seven years to build. I mean, that thing was cherry. That was, uh, it was a beautiful, everything was done over. And I would be in car shows, three-day car shows, two-day car shows, one day, you know, and just go, and it was all about Jesus Christ, the whole thing. And I mean, people would come up to me sometimes and bless me, <laughs> you know. They would look at my van and bless me, bless the van, and I thought it was great. And, and then other people would spit. Some people would not even go near my van, but can I tell you, can I tell you, the Hell's Angels, they loved my van. During the big giant meeting, the Hell's Angels came up to the van. My brother happened to be that night, and they loved the van. You know, you think the Hell's Angels, they wouldn't want to like, no, no, they were big fans of the van. And it said like, Jesus gives you everlasting life. And there's a picture of the whole mural of the whole van. And Jesus had piercing eyes looking right out as he's ascended over Jerusalem in the resurrection. It's amazing how when the moment the guy said, it's time to sell it, sell your truck, sell the boat, get rid of the motorcycles, get rid of your, here was a biggie, your van. <laughs> my, my van? Can I take it with me? <laughs> no, because that money helped us to live when we got to Missouri. And God had a plan. You know what God's plan was? You want me to tell you something funny? Let me tell you God's plan was. Because I had two jobs at the age of 16. And here's what God's plan was. You're going to love this. You're gonna, you know where I'm going with this. I went everywhere to get a job. I went to the Assemblies of God headquarters. You think they would hire a guy who's going to be a preacher? At that time, they were taking the, like they had a test to take, you know, and you should want to take it on paper or computer. I don't know why I said computer. I don't know why, but I said computer. Well, once you hit the button, you can't go back to it to correct anything. So anyhow, they say, we don't want this guy looking for it. So I want to let you know, the Assemblies of God re rebuked me and denied me from working in the place, you know? 
And so I went everywhere. I was overqualified or underqualified, and I could not find at all. And I had quite a bit of money in the bank because of selling all the stuff. And it went on for a while, paid everything we need to pay. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing my savings go down and down and down. And I'm thinking, God, I don't like this. I mean, I came here with some stuff in the bank, and now I'm down really low. It wasn't until I had very few dollars in there, and I got a job working at a nursing home. And I said, you know, God, what are you trying to do? You know, you could have gave me a job way when I was over here. But no, 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 God, you let me get all the way down here and then give me a job. You know what God taught me? Dependence. Obedience and dependence. Dependence on him. And for 12 years, for 12 years, we depended on God for everything. Let me just say, everything. There's times I didn't know where the next meal was coming from to feed the kids. And I said, God, what are you going to do? Someone knock at my door. Hey, we thought we'd buy you lunch or dinner today. <laughs> Thank you. They didn't know. But here we are going, hallelujah. We eat tonight. But we got to see God's hand. Because we're willing to be obedient to the call, obedient to the Christ, obedient so that hopefully God willing in God's way that God would be glorified, edified, and souls added to the kingdom. You see, it's really important that you understand there is a process right now that God is doing in you, but you've got to just understand Paul's trying to teach us something. Just get our eyes upon him and him alone. Look what it says here in verse 9. Our righteousness is found only in Christ. Verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, it doesn't come from you, that comes from the law, but that which through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. This is what it's about. It's faith that starts your journey of life, and it's faith that you walk in, and faith will take you home. It's faith, it's trusting God. But you got to get to know his, you need to get that experience. You need an encounter with God. You need your own encounter with God. Don't live on, off of someone else's encounter. Get your encounter as you press into God. Let God be God in your life. Know that you know that you know. How many times you say, people say, yeah, I know him. No, they know of that person. There's a difference between knowing a person and knowing of a person. See, when you know somebody, when you really know them, you really know how they think, you know what they like, you know, you know them. You know them because you spent time and you spent, you've been a learner and you just, the more time you spend, the more you know. How many of us really, really, really know God? It's a process. Oh boy, is it a process. Someone say amen. It's a process. Paul, all through his life as a Pharisee, sought the righteousness of God. And then he understood what righteousness is and where it comes from, through Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. You see, this is important. Jesus Christ offers righteousness through the acceptance of the work of the cross. And when we accept what Christ did on the cross and receive forgiveness, we then take on the righteousness of Christ and become his heirs, his children. Let me just close with this. In verse 10 and 11. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. I don't know about you, but it's a good question for us to ask. Do you want to know God deeper? Are you going to spend more time by yourself? Hear me. Before you do it corporately, you have to do it individually. Each one of you are an individual. But when individuals of faith come together, there is power. Someone say there is power. There is great power when people come together in one faith. Doing the same thing and expecting different results, of course, is the definition of insanity. If I gave you a pot, and then I told you, get your different ingredients, but you put, every time you cook a meal, you 
put eggs, ham, turkey, and you cooked what? Eggs and ham with turkey. And if you haven't tried that, it's really good. I made that the other day. It was really, really good. But all of a sudden you say, no, I've got to change it up. I want to have a different meal. So instead of putting the eggs in first, you, you saute the turkey. And you saute the, the ham. And then you put the eggs in. And what do you have? Eggs. You have, a, yeah. You, you can call it omelet, but it's eggs. You know, we can, we can call it all different names. This time you put it up and you scramble it all up. And it's still scrambled eggs. You get the same meal because you're using the same ingredients. Wisdom in God says, I need God, I need your ingredients so that you produce the meal so that I can then eat of it and enjoy it. God wants you to enjoy the meal. Amen? Look at your neighbor and tell him God wants you to enjoy the meal. <laughs> so, so here's Paul saying, I want to know God in the, in the power of the resurrection. Now, we, we love that part. Moses on the Red Sea. Here he is against a rock in a hot place. And God says, raise up the staff, Moses. He raises it up and then all of his, the winds of God start to blow. And all of a sudden, this wall of water. And all of a sudden, the Israelites are now walking through this massive wall of water. And God's provided a way. We love that stuff. We love that stuff. Or how about when Elijah proclaims, it's not going to rain for three years. Because the nation has sinned against God. And then God says, but Elijah, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to call, I'm going to get the birds of the air to feed you. And so he gets the ravens to feed him and then bring him his meal every day. You want to talk about delivery, free delivery. Man. What's those services they have now that they go and drop you off your meal? Grubhub? God was the original inventor of that. How about multiplying the fish and the bread? And all they have is a few fish and five loaves and God multiplies and feeds thousands. We like that, don't we? We like when God speaks to the storm. Waves are coming all over the place and everybody's frightened in the boat. But God steps up and says, peace, be still. And all of a sudden the Bible says, and all the waves were still instantly. Isn't that crazy? Just so quick. We love that kind of stuff. We love the power of God. We love to see the healings. We love to see the miraculous works. And we rejoice in that. I rejoice in that. I thank God for that. However, Paul the Apostle was saying, hey, listen, I want to know that power. I want to live in that power. But I'm not afraid of the suffering that comes with that name. So when someone gets on you because you're a Christian, they don't even know you, but they dislike you just because you're a Christian. And people are like that. They don't have to know you. As soon as you say you're a believer in Jesus Christ, they've already stereotyped. But let me tell you, have you ever stereotyped someone else when they said they're some type of label? Do you know they're just as important as you? God's DNA is in them too. God cares for them too. We have to be careful that you say, well, I don't want to have people judge me. They don't even know me. Well, don't you judge other people that you don't know either. You don't know their story, do we? It's important. Paul was ready to suffer for Christ ready to die for him. He was all in. Ask yourself a question. Are you all in? Paul said this in Galatians, powerful portion of Scripture 2.20, good to memorize. I have been crucified with Christ, and no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the body, I live in the, by the Son of the living God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. I've been crucified with Christ. That means what I want's not important anymore. I've told you that I'm a dead man walking, and it's true. So the question is, okay, we need to align ourselves to say, okay, God, what are you doing in my life? I don't care what age you are. Start thinking differently. People say, well, you know, I don't know how many more years I, I live. Listen, a young person can say the same thing. He's not guaranteed tomorrow just because he's younger. I've seen so many times people who have health problems for such a long time. Somebody healthy checks out. You go, wow, that person never been sick in their life hardly. 
We don't know, but we do know this. We know who holds our tomorrow. So let's live. Let's live bold. Let's live the way God wants. Let me just close a couple verses here as a challenge. First Peter says this, verse 13, chapter 1. Therefore, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Once again in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I like this part here. Verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you die and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, big one, and he appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Wow. Wow. I want to challenge you. As I'm challenging myself, I want to challenge you. I want you to see, look at God being bigger than whatever situation you face. Look at God being mightier in whatever situation you're in. And as you reflect this, this year, let's really get the right focus on God. Don't let the mind get away from you. Your emotions get away from you. All of the stuff. Get the majors. Spend some time meditating. Spend some time reflecting and say, okay, God, I'm going to push in. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here today. Jesus is not your Savior. You have never yielded your whole heart to God. You've never said, God, everything I have, everything I am, and everything I'm not, I give to you. You've never just asked God to say, God, I've sinned in my mind, in my heart, and I know I've sinned. I, I want to ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I want the right focus. I want to live my life the right way. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, 7, 7, Knock, the door shall be opened. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. But you have to make that choice. You have to change your thinking. If you continue to think the way you used to think, how you've been thinking for last year, year before that, whatever, and continue, and you think the same thing, 2022 is not going to be different. It's going to be the same, same thing. Why? You have not changed your information. You have not changed. Therefore, your belief has not changed. And therefore, your behavior has not changed. Your thinking, where you put it on God is everything. Be renewed by the renewing of your mind, by the washing of the word. Can you stand to your feet? Let's just do something right now. Let's all of us out loud. Why don't you just lift a hand to heaven. And let's go before Father and say, Dear Father, I ask you to help me to get the right focus. That I may know you. God, I pray that you would help me. Forgive me for every sin. Every thought. That has been offensive. I surrender my heart. I surrender my life. In the name of Jesus Christ. I believe he rose from the grave. On the third day. And gave me new life. Eternal life. And this day. I surrender. To Jesus. In Jesus name. Everybody said. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. And if you did that online, let us know. We have some stuff they'd like to send to you. We want to help each people grow in God. But can I ask one last thing to you is your thinking. Your thinking. How you think will cause you to grow or not grow. I want to challenge you right now. Close your eyes right where you are. Close your eyes right where you are. And I just want you to raise your hand to say that your thinking hinders 
your life. Raise your hand right where you are. No one look. Yeah, 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 yeah. Put them down. Put them down. Let's go before Father right now. Because a renewal of mind starts with you. You have to put your mind on the things of God. Father, I ask right now that those that raise their hands, I ask as they surrender to you that your ways, your plans, your purposes, your peace would be upon them. And that, Lord, they would spend more time in your presence that the things, those things which are true, holy, pure, good report, virtuous, Lord, praiseworthy, they would think on those things, God, and see the good, see the greatness of your hand, see the plans of your purpose, and have an expectation, and look unto you. Father, renew their mind as they find themselves immersed in your word, in prayer, and in time together as they sit at your feet. I ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Give God some praise in the house. Can you do that? Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website, at SalemFirstAG.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.